Sometimes it's better to play the character that jives with you instead of a top tier. And Catalyst thinks that Daigo might actually be doing better in tournament if he starts playing a little more Ryu. Capcom appears to have screwed Sykes out of a spot at Street Fighter League. Sonic Fox calls for a GT Goku ban in Dragon Ball Fighters. The FGC seems to be getting serious about demanding raised netcode standards. And we check the mailbag, all here on episode 66 of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hey, what's going on? I'm, I have no energy left. I've been going full throttle all weekend long. I've been out in a SoCal vacation, and I felt really fat because I was on vacation. So this morning I got up early and went to the gym, and now... Let's podcast, baby. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time right now in the fighting game community. We we typically go through this too. We we know on the website like the post evil lull is is what we call it, and it's just like there's this giant surge of energy from everyone in the community where they're excited about you know what's going on in fighting games, and then like there's such a big rush like you can't avoid having like this big drop off from it as well. Yeah, and it happens like pretty much every year, about like a week or two, three weeks, somewhere after Evo, um, and it just it kind of like resurges around November. Like you know, it starts to go back up gradually, but like like this part of of the year is like always really rough. I so. just I feel like the especially working with event hubs, um, and and noting the flow of FGC traffic from this point of view, man, it's it's very much a Green Day situation for the FGC. Like the September, everyone's just asleep. Yeah, one of the years when we were going through rough times, I actually put that song on my playlist, and every single time that song comes on, it reminds me of like that dark time on our website and stuff. And it, it's like, and again, we, we can't really complain. It's like we we get to work on fighting games for a living, and every business on the planet goes through ups and downs. Like that's how it is. That's how it works. And you know, but anyway, enough of that. We don't want to. We don't want to like start off <laughs> on a down point. There's plenty of good stuff going on that we can focus on. And plenty of bad stuff, which we'll get into as well. But darn it, uh, I'm going to start us off here with uh, Daigo was briefly inspired to play Ryu again. Um, and my thought actually is maybe this should not be so temporary for him. And I'm a huge advocate, and I, I think history is very much on my side here, of why it's important to play the right character and right style instead of just picking a top tier. And and I, I'm not saying that people shouldn't play, you know, like good competitive characters. Like there's a there's a whole difference, like, you know, discussion we'll get into here with like, you know, viable characters versus um, characters like, you know, Ed and Falk and other stuff. But it's really hard to win with them. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so Daigo was on a stream and he uh, ran into a Ryu player and the Ryu player beat him and he or, or did really well or did something like that. And he's like, hmm, he's like, maybe I should kind of pick up Ryu again and do some stuff with him. Um, and he did all right. And it made me think that maybe Daigo should be busting out Ryu here and there for at least some matchups and, and whatnot in the game. He actually specifically cited Karen as a character that, that Ryu does pretty well against. And obviously Karen is like one of the most popular tournament characters right yeah. now. And, and I mean, that's not a bad pocket counterpick to have if you have. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you have a character that does well against Karen, like why not do that? Especially if that character uh, uh, does quite well for you, right? Well, I would say do Birdie or, or like Manat, who heavily or more heavily counter Karen. But well, Manat's no pocket character for a lot of people. But Birdie oh, might yeah, be able she's to. She's not be. a pocket. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that could be. And but it also, I mean, that goes into your. I mean, yeah. If if Birdie is a character that fits what you want to do, I think that's great. But um, so getting right back into it, actually, um, I think that Daigo's results with Guile have been pretty lackluster 
for Daigo. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you know, for anyone else, like, you know, you're doing backflips, like, this is great, right? But back in season one of Street Fighter V, Daigo had four first place finishes, um, and that was at three ranking events and then one premiere using Ryu. And now he's definitely had success with Guile since then. Um, but, and it's not like Guile's a character, like he hasn't used quite a bit in the past. Like, you know, like Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, he played Guile as well, but Ryu is his character. Ryu is Daigo. Like, Capcom wrote Ryu's whole character plot thread and like how he is personality wise, like before they even knew Daigo existed because they knew Daigo was coming. That is how closely related he is to that character, damn it. And I'm, I'm standing by that story. But I consistently hear people compare Daigo to like the tireless wanderer, shoeless Ryu in the same way that yeah. you might hear Tokido compared with Akuma. And so, yeah, that, that has been one of the sentiments that people have had with Street Fighter V and having Daigo move away from Ryu in the, in the capacity that he has. And people will say, you know, I'm so sad because shoeless Daigo is not out wandering or, you know, something to that effect. Exactly, exactly. So now Guy, uh, Daigo has placed with Guile in the top 10. Or he has him placed, I should say, in the tiers, top 10 overall right now. Uh, some people might disagree with that. It's, it's about, you know, Guile's tier listing in the game. He's a pretty good character. And I believe that, that we had Ryu kind of collectively right outside of the bottom 10. I think like 26th, like overall, something like that, 25th, something like that. Um, in our rankings that we just did. So there's a pretty substantial difference there between the characters. But if Daigo picked up Ryu and started winning with them, that character is going to shoot up the two rankings like 10 spots right then and there. Sure. And, and it's just, it's like, hey, he's underexplored. He's definitely not unexplored, but he's underexplored as a character because of what Capcom has done with Akuma and how dominant of a Shoto character that guy is. It's just like, uh, like Akuma, like nerf that freaking character Capcom. He is, he is hurting your game so much just by the virtue of how he exists like currently right now. But anyway, so people might be thinking like, hey, you know what? Like this is weird. Like, but it's a thing for pros. Like you're you're just talking about pro players right now because you're saying like Daigo sh- should switch over to Ryu because that character fits him more. It's actually this is very much true for for most of the people listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, you you if you're serious about a game and you're going to be playing it long term, you want to pick a character that jives with you. Um, you are, you're not so much concerned about, like, if, you're, if your goal is winning Capcom Cup, like, you know, picking a higher tier, like, makes more sense. Like, but if your goal is, like, anything short of that, like, you can pretty much pick any character in the game and be just fine. Like, you can pick Ed or Falk or do whatever, and it doesn't matter. Like, that's not going to be a big deal. Um, now, for pro players, like, so you might be going back and going, like, okay, like, why would Daigo play freaking Ryu over Guile. That just makes no sense. Like you already said Guile's like top, you know, higher tier and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, Daigo's history uh, is interesting here because he played Yun back in Arcade Edition uh, for Street Fighter 4. Mm-hmm. And you might think like, you know, oh, like well, Daigo was incredible. Well, Daigo actually had a very mixed results kind of setting in there uh, in Street Fighter 4 where he was the number one ranked arcade player uh, in Japanese arcades, which is, you know, that's quite an accomplishment. But when it came to tournament time, he was actually notorious for getting pieced out with his Yun. Like, he won some tournaments, and Yun was generally, uh, he was definitely the number one character in Arcade Edition, yeah. like, hands down. He was the number one character. Uh, Daigo had a brand new sponsorship, I think, with Mad Cats, and he, like, wanted to really prove himself and kind of put himself out there. Um, and it wasn't until Daigo switched back to Ryu and then Evil Ryu, um, which is, you know, again, they're very similar styles, at least in like how they control zoning and fireballs and all that kind of stuff, um, that he had the most success. And again, he was the number one player uh, in our top 50 player rankings more times than anyone else for Street Fighter 4. He was the number one player uh, mo- by most people's accounts in Street Fighter 4 collectively as a game. 
So when I look at Daigo, and I kind of have him right now, maybe in like the top 20 players, like overall, like right now playing Guile, like I look at that and go, dude, like you're better than that. You are a better player than what you're showing right now with this character. And I really think stylistically, it comes down to the fact that you are not playing a character that completely resonates with you and what you want to do as a player. Well, but fair. And and I can imagine a Daigo that does better with Ryu, despite Ryu clearly not being as good of a character in Street Fighter V as Guile. But where where does that specifically come from? Is it because Daigo's just that much more comfortable doing a DP than he is doing a flash kick? And so well, his okay. anti-airs are better? Or, or where does that... Right. No, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to mention. So... There's the gameplay aspect of it, which you just mentioned. Like, um, you're more comfortable doing certain types of zoning and, and footsies and stuff like that. Like, for example, I'm not comfortable playing Zangief because I don't have the patience to play a grappler. And grapplers in, in Street Fighter and most fighting game history have to be played extremely patiently. You get that one opening and you take advantage of it and you kill the other player. But pretty much the entire parts of the other round, you're sitting back and you're really working the player into you know getting comfortable and trying to find their spots and patterns and other things. I can't do that. I don't have the patience for that. Um, so even if like Zangief was top tier my results with him would not be that great because that inherently clashes with what I want to do and what I enjoy in fighting games. Um, so that is inherently, I think, the problem with what Daigo has is like the things that he's really good at, which is like those mid-range like footsies and fireball traps and other stuff. Ryu does those really well as a character in, in the history of Street Fighter. And he tries to do some of those same things with Guile and other characters, and he just does not have the same level of success because those characters can't do what Daigo does well at the highest of levels. Does that make sense? So just it goes more with Daigo's inherent pace if that exists like uh and i and i i can see an argument for it would for every individual player daigo just is ryu jago just is a ryu player at heart more than he is anyone else and you think that might counterbalance the the discrepancy between strength of character when it comes to guile and ryu and sf5 huh yeah well i mean it's not just daigo i'm talking about here like he's the example i'm using but if you think back to the winners of evo and capcom cup in most cases, it has been people who have been loyal to their main character who have won it and broke through. Um, uh, CN did play Yun, but he switched over to Gin and was loyal to Gin for many years, or a year or two, or whatever it was. Like, that character jived with him, and he won. Uh, Luffy played Rose throughout Street Fighter IV. Um, like, all the other characters, like, the people who have won have been the character, or the players who have kind of stuck with those characters. Uh, Knuckle Doo, when he won, I mean, he still, to this day, plays Mika and uh, Guile. You know, uh, quite extensively, um, uh, Meta RD, he was playing Birdie from the get go. You know, mm -hmm. like it, it's like all the winners here, like there are exceptions. 100%, you will find exceptions of people who switched to, to a top tier and did better. But for the most part, the people taking home the championships are the one who has stayed loyal to their characters. And usually, again, uh, the rule is that uh, when they switched off, they've done worse. So Bond chances start playing Sagat now. Well, I, I mean, so, okay, so. Bonchan one, he does play Sagat, and he did win Evo playing Sagat at least part of the time, right? There are there's some wiggle room that I'm getting into here with this, and as I mentioned with Daigo, that he should be picking up Ryu at least as a pocket character, right? And like keeping him to to be honest with it. And I mean, it, I'm not saying that you have to keep the same character between like versions of the game too. Like the game can change dramatically in your character. Like if you play Cody or you play Vega, like you're pretty much not playing the same character anymore at all between different versions. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, but you, you want a style and approach that fits what you are as a player. 
Like that is so important because just so many things become much more natural to you and they make more sense, right? Instead of looking for answers when things go wrong, it's like, oh, like, well, I've been through this before. Like I kind of know inherently like this is what my character does and that's how I counter that, right? Um, and, and it just, it's much more in tune. Like you're finding like your partner versus your, your like, you know, sleeping with a hooker or something. I don't know. <laughs> like that's, a, that's basically what it is with a top tier character. It's because that's the only Hang on, let me I sit up in my right seat now. really quick. I just, you got my attention. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so well, I, I can appreciate the concept of Daigo doing something sort of like what's, uh, what's Sagat. There it is. <laughs> what Bonchan is doing with Sagat in that he's not able to consistently get the job done with that character Karen is a much stronger character in a lot of ways, and it's helped him to win a lot, including Evo. But he does break out Sagat every so often, and that at least appeases some of that, uh, you know, that fantasy. Ooh, Bunchan's playing Sagat. Let's watch. You know, it's really cool. It's it, it, he used to do this. Uh, you you check that box, and you do get to see uh, a player that really knows what they're doing kind of one of these like more vanguard types for the community um, exploring a character that not everyone is playing and potentially showing off and showing off new things and inspiring people to play which goes back to the point that you were making earlier that if Daigo starts playing Ryu in tournament and winning a little bit with him you're going to see a lot more people entertaining or, or, or seeing Ryu as an okay character to even begin to try and that is important so I think there is a lot of benefit that comes out of all this I wouldn't jump as far as to say that I think Daigo would be at all more successful, and I don't know that that's even necessarily what you're saying playing Ryu. But there is, there are reasons. I think he for actually him. would be. No, I, I am saying I think he would be. As Ryu gains enough in power, I think he would be. I can't guarantee it. Like I, Ryu just fits who got, who Daigo is as a player. You know, and, and despite him being lower tier, like again, he would jump up as you mentioned. Like I'll even go into Street Fighter Four history. Um, I think it was, uh, I think it was like Super Street Fighter Four, uh, something like that. It was uh, like Vanilla Ryu uh, in Street Fighter Four was top tier. Like, but he was ever really since good, that version yeah. of, yeah, he, ever since that version of the game, he he dropped down in power like pretty much every time. Um, and then you know, and then like I think version twenty twelve, like Ryu um, was like considered very mid tier in that game, like because he got his um, crouching medium kick buff back. But Daigo actually uh, considered him like an A plus tier character, and he talked about that a bit. Like Evil Ryu was S tier, right? But mm. Um, he was playing Ryu and saying like this character is very underrated and whatnot, and I think people started bumping him up the tier list again once you know they saw what Daigo was doing with him basically, um, and it's it's one person you know kind of standing out from the crowd again. But uh, this goes again once again hand in hand with the Street Fighter Five thing that we're bringing about here that we're talking about that that if Daigo started playing him he would go up a bit. So I don't know that uh, I necessarily think that he would do better playing Ryu specifically. I think that there's a there's a certainly a timeline or a, a dimension where Daigo playing Guile with Ryu as a pocket character is very beneficial and and is ultimately good for the game in multiple ways including for Daigo's you know tournament stats. And uh, and I would like to see it explored. Mm -hmm. No, give me some. Uh, you, you did mention Bonchan, which is pretty fair. He was playing Nash quite a bit, you know, back in the day. Um, but he had switched over to Karen, I think, since season two. Um, so he has been very loyal to that character. And I do think that character overall fits his style very zone heavy, very footsie based. Um, and, and I mean, it's not necessarily that you have to pick, you know, the exact same character. You just have to have a style that fits you overall. Um, but in, you're saying that you don't entirely buy that. Like, can you think of some examples off the top of your head? I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, uh, of some players that have switched to a top tier that like is different stylistically than who they normally play and done very well with them like winning a Capcom Cup or an Evo. 
I feel like the biggest example that comes to mind of a player just generally like that would be Infiltration, who plays the cast of every game that he plays. Now, the caveat to that would be that you can kind of tell when it's Infiltration playing because he's playing this strange, distant chaos where he's doing stuff from far away usually, but constantly active and making himself unpredictable. And then eventually, like just like kind of like scores hits when you let your guard down, either from you coming close or him coming close. Um, and it's proven to be a very effective strategy. But he started with Nash when it was season one. Things were pretty broken with Nash, and then he uh, migrated over to Manat. But then, of course, had a pocket jury that he used efficiently, and and yeah. she was very much a significant and relevant part of his arsenal. Um, and then, I mean, you go to any other game and Infiltration plays, you know, one one half or the other half of the uh, of the character select screen. And so so a player like that, I think, uh, so like Justin Wong started with Karen, went to Manat, and that was kind of back to Karen, but has also been entertaining Falk. And uh, Tokido... Now it's to Poison, actually, I think. Right, now it's <laughs> we, to Poison, yes. We just ran a story on it. But, but again, those are generally characters who fit his style, the lameness that he wants to play with. Yeah, and Justin's a sp- like especially known for, for that particular style um so here's one how about uh 801 strider starting with laura who is like this kind of like you know footsie grappler and then going to g which is just like an explosive still a footsie character but then an explosive take you to the corner kind of character yeah i mean 801 strider is not really one of the players i'm talking about here i'm talking about like the the best of the best like they've won evo or won capcom cup and and, you know i look at players like tokido he's like he plays akuma pretty much throughout and like he played ryu and did quite well with him in season one um before akuma was available and stuff like i don't know i just i look at this and like history really shows that the loyalists are the ones that benefit the most um at the highest of levels Lower levels, I don't know. You know, like lower levels, I think is up for debate, but like the highest of levels, that's what I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to look over with a more fine tooth comb, but I, I think that there's certainly an argument to be made there. Yeah, I, I really feel like, it, and we'll move on here for a second because we've definitely beat this horse pretty well, but uh, I feel like we put a lower ceiling on ourselves when we play a character who who does not completely jive with us. And again, we just start running into problems and it's like, mm. and, and I look at a character like Ryu who has um, uh, the input leg reduction going in his favor now, his ability to play footsies in zone a little bit, not that I'm advocating for that too much here in Street Fighter V, I know the, the folly that that is. Um, I do feel the character is a little bit more underrated than he should be. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm just just a strong advocate for playing who you love to play. If there's a character who jumps out at you, um, like try to stick with that character and play them because usually at the end of the day, that is going to be the character you produce the best results with. And it's true even at a pro level. There are exceptions, but but even for the most part, like even the pros, like it helps them. So fair enough. On a less happy subject here, uh, the Street Fighter League has uh, confirmed that Arturo Sanchez is going to be um, a part of their, you know, next season. And, and, you know, this is nothing to do with Arturo itself. Um, but for me, like, this is the most disappointed I have ever been with Capcom USA. Uh, Capcom USA are their esports department, like, however you want to term that. I don't know what the heck happened. And we've reached out to them multiple times trying to get an answer. We've got nothing. Uh, Zykes has not gotten an answer from them. It's like they've been radio silent on this. And it's really disappointing not to have any word whatsoever of why this happened and it's not like they haven't seen it like we've contacted them a bunch of people have set them up on social media and it's just like we're not talking about it and i don't i don't even know what the hell to do with that and it's i I don't hate capcom usa now or anything like that i just but like i said this is the most disappointed i have ever been with them and i just i don't understand it at all 
Right. And then, so for those that aren't quite aware yet, we don't actually have uh, any written confirmation that Arturo Sanchez is the next person in the Street Fighter League. But as we were talking about last week, the uh, the tea leaves were very heavily reading. Uh, that um, well, we just posted a story, actually, that has Arturo in the banner um, on right. the Street Fighter League official website. So he, he's in. Like, they're not going to take that photo without him being in the, the thing. Right. So, and, and I was I was going to get to that. All we have is this, this image. So it's like, well, he's there. He's participating in it. Um, but yeah, so we haven't seen any, I guess, textual evidence and no statements uh, in either direction. But it's it's pretty clear that Arturo's there. Uh, but the the significance, I guess, or the the next step beyond that is that the, well, we don't know what the reasoning is. It's it's like we don't know. Like maybe there's some hiccup in the system. Maybe Sykes was somehow disqualified. And and even right now, a, a little bit of a slap on the wrist for Capcom, um, just because. Well, if there is some change, like you should, you should let the people know because the the person that was voted in, or the people that were voted in via community votes, were something that was public knowledge when it happened. So, if this change has happened, of course, guilty is no longer part of the competition. Uh, well, then you would probably let the people know, like, well, okay, we're making this adjustment, and here's what you can expect now that there's been an update to be had, uh, and and that hasn't happened at all. And I, I mean, I'm trying to go and give them the benefit of the doubt and say, well, they haven't said anything yet. What could they possibly say at this point where I go, oh, well, OK, I guess that makes sense. And um, but I, I'm, I'm having a hard time, man, coming up with something like that, because it really seems like and again, I don't know their motivation, but they just hopped over the next person in line. And not only did they hop over the next person in line, that person was had a had a real chance of not even being the cutoff of like being the next person in and but they of course the the voting went down an hour early and in a competition like this that last hour is arguably the most significant hour of the whole thing and yeah it's really unfortunate and it feels as far as we can see it and what it's shaping out to look like um save for a, some kind of a statement from capcom at a later time it feels like someone's just really gotten screwed and it's not just anyone it's someone that's vehemently passionate about street fighter 5 someone that could use some more exposure you know like like it, this is this is the kind of person you want on street fighter league and that's not to say arturo isn't and and we can't stress enough like arturo's a good guy and we don't really blame him at all for yeah, any of this he, he's yeah. he hasn't misstepped at all and i don't yeah. think i think if it were any of us and they're like hey do you want to come on and and you know, we're just like, like, yeah, of course I want to go on. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so it's not Arturo. But I mean, you want someone like like Sykes, who's just this absolute passionate. And maybe he's not the best player. I don't think people expect him to. If he is, that's even better. Right. But but he, I mean, he's he's plays like Falk and, and characters that you don't see as often. And he's got all this passion and he will vehemently defend this game to the to the till his dying breath, man. But nope, we're skipping over that person who it feels like he's been screwed out twice now and it's just not a good look yeah we reached out to zykes and uh he did you know respond to us and let us know that capcom has not reached out to him uh he still loves street fighter 5 um he's very you know disappointed obviously with the decision that that happened here um and uh he would like to see a spot for him in the future, like in a future Street Fighter League, which I think should be a given at this point. Um, I think Capcom needs to uh, make good on this. Unless, there, again, there's some reason we have not, you know, properly went over. But um, people had wondered, actually, because a part of the rules are, have you entered a Street Fighter tournament in the past, like on Smash GG, right? Uh, and he had with Street Fighter Cross Tekken, and apparently he said he'd beaten a few Evo champs in that game. Uh, so he was, you know, a solid, you know, Street Fighter Cross Tekken player. Yeah, I, I, I can speculate here um, about why 
you know, I, I think that they didn't include Zykes because there has to be something, you know, like it's very weird that they, they skipped over him and went with someone else. And, and the only thing I could think of is they felt like he wouldn't be as strong as, as a representative for what they were trying to do as Arturo. Like yeah. that's the only thing I could think of, uh, whether that skills as a player, maybe they don't agree with something in his professional or personal life they don't like or something like that. I don't know. Um, that's the only theory I can come up with. And that's what we're left with here with Capcom not saying anything. And yeah, and, and that just... does not fly because if that's the case, you take care of that in the fine print before you start a, a contest like this, right? You don't let the guy like participate, get all the way to, to fifth place and then fourth place because you, you ban somebody else and and then say, ah, well, yeah, but I think we'd rather do this route because uh, we might get more views if Arturo's around. It's like, no, that is especially your Capcom, your your you're all about presentation and and a huge part of esports. I guess when I say esports, I mean it's all about presentation. It's all about a relationship gotcha. with your audience. It's about making a product that people not only enjoy watching but can get behind. You have to have a certain sense of charisma. You have to have a certain sense of faith from your audience. And when you're pulling what this looks like it is, which and and, and again, like you kind of hit the nail on the head there maybe it's just like Arturo is more marketable in some way. He's more yeah. valuable to them. And it's like, well, then make your, uh, you know, make your selection process so that you get the that person that's most valuable to you as a company. But when you've laid out, here are the rules, and then last minute something went wonky, and so then you decide, well, you can break them in, in a way that seems almost completely unrelated to, you know, to, to, the, to the changes that ended up happening. Uh, at the end of this voting process, uh, both with, you know, like the hour, the the extra or the, the loss of an hour and guilty being uh, removed from the competition. It just, this doesn't line up and it's a terrible look. And it's like, it's not even the, uh, oftentimes when something screws up with like the pro tour or something, I go, well, they're just kind of figuring it out. These are somewhat new ventures for, for the team. And as long as you don't make this mistake again in the future, it's okay. But that, this doesn't even fall into that category, man. This falls into, you need to have just a sense of moral responsibility and you need to do the right thing and you learn this kind of stuff in like first grade so i don't i don't see a way out of this for capcom where they they're not totally screwed up but i'm i'm reserving my my final judgment until we hear something from them but we might not even hear anything for them and then it's even worse because then they did it and they didn't even like no we didn't do it totally not totally not no if I had to guess, I would assume there's other people at Capcom USA because I, I know a decent amount of their staff um, out there. And I would have to say that there's probably other people very disappointed with this, you know, decision or whatever, you know, whatever process went down. Um, and, and I mean, it's again, I it's the most disappointed I've been with them. And it's it's not like I'm going to completely abandon Capcom and say, hey, you know, screw you guys and stuff like that. It's a black eye, but uh, people mess up all the time. You know, the, the, uh, it's if you're trying to find someone who's never made a major mistake, like you're not going to like find anyone, you know, sure. like that's the stuff first stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's messed up. Uh, I really do hope at some point Capcom does some kind of make good here. Um, Capcom USA, I have really trumpeted them as a, a forebearer, a torchbearer in our community for esports and other things like that. And I will continue to do so because overall they do a lot of great work for our community. But this one sucks. Yeah. Speaking of suck, actually, uh, fighting games <laughs> online. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, something that has become more of an issue. We addressed it a bit before with Brian F. saying that, you know, netcode and fighting games is like, 
pretty much crap. Uh, we just posted a video about Sage Jam going off uh, and just kind of comparing like fighting games to like Dota and a few things like that. Uh, John, you've been following this. Like it's something that's near and dear to your heart. You and I are both, you know, we play online quite a bit. Like what are your thoughts here of what you're seeing? Yeah, I, I guess we talked about this last week. And it was specifically about Street Fighter V at this time. And it was that, well, it feels as though that maybe since the Evo patch, the quality of netcode has declined. It could be placebo, but a lot of people are on that train. A lot of people are saying that, yeah, that's that's what they're experiencing firsthand. So uh, again, we don't have any confirmation. It's, hard, it's something that's hard to hammer down without any numbers, but there it is. Now, the discussion has kind of evolved it, for some reason just in this like last week or so. I've heard a lot of people talking about how fighting games as a genre just don't really cut it when it comes to the online experience, at least not yet. Like Nick was talking, uh, we were saying both in, in private chat and I think we talked about it a little bit on the uh, the most recent episode of the podcast where we talked about Sam show. Mm-hmm. The idea is that the, the amount of precision that you need when you're playing a fighting game down to like, you know, single frames or, or, or such is so much greater than what you need for most other esports titles that like it doesn't really register as a valid arena for practice at least in certain components of the game to to such an extent that you can't really compare fighting games and other esports games like MOBAs or even first person shooters and such because like for the fighting game player you have to practice locally to have that same kind of of um, you know ability and experience uh, well, would be the argument, and of course, like just your your selection, your 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 training partners, uh, the the ability to, to you know reach out to different avenues and and sharpen different skills is heavily limited when you have to play locally when everybody else gets to play online. You know the, those other those other genres just don't require as much precision. And while you don't want lag anywhere, if there's a little hiccup. In, in like a MOBA, it's not the same thing most of the time as a little hiccup when you're in the middle of a round. And, uh, you know, maybe you were doing some skill shot and, and a lag bit happened at that moment in a MOBA and that affected things. But that's going to be fewer and far between than some like, like you know, a hiccup of lag when you were trying to do a frame trap or guard against it, which is a almost, you know, a fairly constant situation you're going to be in or something like that in a fighting game where once that happens the round then thereafter feels sort of null and void there's a big asterisk that pops up immediately afterwards and it's hard to uh, to train in those conditions not only that when you're in a fairly consistent like when when you know that lag is gonna be there and that's the atmosphere that you're in that naturally leads you to begin to practice in a way that is most fruitful in those conditions. Mm. So that means more of like the, well, I'm minus two, but are they ready? And then I'm gonna rip an uppercut. And and it leads to a lot of habits that don't pay off in the long term when you're offline most of the time, but they work a lot when you're online. Yeah, online tactics are very much a thing, especially if you are a inherently based leggy player, like you know that your connection is crap and you mm-hmm. do stuff that's like purposely like meant to take advantage of that, that's gonna fall apart obviously offline. Like it's mm-hmm. just something you can't do, um, very much a thing. Yes. Yeah. So I, I heard this kind of sentiment from Nick, and then I guess it was about five days ago or so. Brian F takes to Twitter and um, and responds to a bigger thread where people are talking. I think it was uh, CLG Tafo 
where he was talking about the kind of practice that it takes for like tier one esports competitors. And he was referencing, uh, or they, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a he or a she, but they were referencing. Applicants is a, is a male. Yeah. He's, he's one of the more prominent uh, Smash um, like coaches, managers. I think he's a manager for um, uh, Mango. So. Okay. Okay. So he was talking about Smash players, uh, and there you go, and, and saying that like they need to kind of up their their uh, practice resumes and, and just work harder. And Brian responds and said something like, uh, "Well, online for fighting games just it, it sucks. It, it, we probably called it a dumpster of trash, right? Because that's Brian F. Yeah. Uh, and it, it stops people from from being able to to train uh, as efficiently as in other." esports genres and while i mean maybe you can you can possibly debate that i don't know that brian's 100 percent correct here but man from from my point of view that sounds pretty accurate right now i'd have to go try to practice on that level i guess in other in other right. genres and i just right. play mobas for fun so i couldn't really say but it, it sounds like yeah that makes a lot of sense because of things like one frame links i used to play first person shooters at a pretty good clip um, and I can say that the, at least for first person shooter games, most of the net code like holds up way better than fighting games do right now. Uh, I have not actively played Mortal Kombat 11 online, so I don't know about that one. Um, I, I've always felt like Skullgirls is heavily overrated for the net code. Uh, I played that one online a good bit and it was just it was it was good for the time. But like, I don't think I think people's. Um, perceptions of how it was don't hold up as so much in modern times and then i didn't play ki online like most other people i did not have an xbox like mm -hmm. why have an xbox in this generation so um anyway um one thing i will go back to that you were talking about is like just knocking online play completely and just saying hey it's not valid it's bullcrap like that's that's too much. Yeah, yeah, that is it is proven as a fact that online warriors are just fine. Most of your pro players train online quite a bit. If you go look for your Tokitos, your Daigos, and other stuff like that, you will see they have quite a few online points. Um, that is the main way most players train online. Some people do not. Like I know Ricky Ortiz, like she hates online play with a passion. That's fine. Like you don't have to play online, especially if you have a good local scene, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can do a lot of the stuff that you know you need to do. But um, you know, Knuckle Do Punk, uh, a bunch of other players. They're just notorious for being very online grinders. Smug is another one. 801 Strider. Um, it is. There's plenty of players that have like huge amounts of success, like just primarily doing that. So I, I want to you know knock that one out like right away and just say yeah, that's that's not valid. Mm -hmm. But it gets back into the comparison thing of, and this is what Sajam like added in. He said like, what should our expectations be? as a community and how hard should we knock a game for this stuff and, yes. and I go back to something like input delay like we've made a huge deal about input delay and it's something that you know we have a few community members uh, with a deal and then uh, WYDD um, they both do great research online and they can completely quantify how BS or not a game's input delay is and that has helped get it fixed collectively in the community and we probably need to figure out a way of kind of testing that stuff online and seeing how good a game's response time is and all that kind of stuff under those networking conditions, which is hard to do. That well, is that. Yeah. yeah, it's becoming. And, and that's kind of where the next question is. Where should we be holding developers accountable? What line should we be holding them accountable to uh, when it comes to creating games netcode? Because from my point of view, I've always thought like that, well, since like the Street Fighter 4 days, that online is a gift and not a right. 
and I don't expect it to work well in any time where I have a round or a match where there's not a lot of hiccuping, not a lot of slowdown or rollback or whatever your game does. I'm just thinking that's that's a blessing. Great, I got that, but I don't expect it. But there is a point, especially as we've moved into esports or as we're moving this direction, where, well, the requirement really needs to be that we can practice like this because, you know, we're the the people that are doing this have to do it as a as a career, you know, and they and they mm-hmm. have to perform in tip top shape. And this is a massive resource that they could have that they're not getting at its at its full efficiency. And so, well, where is technology that's available to us here? You know, uh, I guess I can speak for the West and here in America and such, uh, uh, the United States. Like, do we even have internet where you could realistically play a fighting game and it can be more or less the same experience as a local uh, experience? Like, is that even a realistic thing to ask of developers? Because if it is, hot damn, get on it. And we have seen that Mortal Kombat 11 has has set a high bar. I've, I haven't played Killer Instinct online because, again, Xbox, who would get one of those, right? Except for K, four KI, right? But I, and I hear that that had an immaculate netcode. So it's sounding like, well, people are starting to do it and, and they have been doing it because KI came out in, what, 2013? So uh, if that's the case, oh, back that up. Everybody needs to be doing this immediately. This is such a priority and such a, resor- a resource. And Brian holds that because uh, the next thing he says after that initial statement was, uh, fighting game devs, please stop being trash. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so so you kind of see where he stands on it. And uh, I think Brian's like something of a programmer himself. I know you're, you're more learned in this particular avenue than I am. And I think we've talked about it and you've said, you know, I think the technology's there, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, it's it's always going to be online. Like you're always going to have some issues from it. It's just how well do you deal with that? How well do you handle when latency happens? Um, how optimizes your code to deal with it basically? Um, and one of the things I, I do want to mention about this is that we are also talking like when people talk about, you know, bunk net code and other things like that, we're oftentimes talking about street fighter five. I think CJM called street fighter five's net code garbage, which I completely disagree with. I think he's way off base on that. The net code is, is it's okay. It, it's not uh, for, for what it is. I think it's fine. Um, that netcode came out in 2016, and as far as we know, that has not been updated. It and and comparing that to a game that came out in 2019, three years later, is not fair. That is just completely not fair. It's like comp- uh, comparing the graphics of Street Fighter 4 to Street Fighter 5. It's like, I mean, you can do that, but if your expectation is like they better be as good, it's like that's not fair. You know, like you can't do that stuff. So, um, I very firmly disagree with them there, but like overall, I think that the online experience should definitely be better. And I mean, we have factual proof of that with Mortal Kombat 11. Like that is actual and that's Unreal Engine. That is something everyone should be using. I think it's like an older version of Unreal that they've heavily modified, but still, I mean, that should not be an issue for for modern developers. And I, where I do agree with Sajam is that we do need to hold them accountable. We do need to talk about this stuff. And I think it might actually come down to developing the tools and the technology that can quantify and measure how online code works and kind of set that expectation for developers and say, hey, you need to tighten this up. Um, one of the things I did document in a previous podcast was how long it takes to actually get matched up with players in Street Fighter 5 that is an issue Um, and and I I think I said like I feel pretty confident that Capcom could shave off about five seconds on that uh, and and without issue and that that you know I 
people they attribute like you know net code to like everything online right like everything online is a net code and it's like okay sure um but usually when we're talking about net code we mean like how much latency happens when you hit a button do a combo all that kind of stuff that's usually yeah. what net code is um you, you should be you know separating that stuff into like matchmaking or different things at that point right mm-hmm. um so there, there's all these different nuances and, and subjects that we can get into here but i think the bottom line is when you do raise campaigns about this and when you do a review and when you talk about the stuff uh user reviews are a big deal for most companies in this day and age uh you know um go into our comments hit them up on facebook hit them up on twitter hit them up at different places and say hey look your net code sucks freaking update it um and again i i I don't know and this is where you and i kind of like are on the same page it's like we feel like street fighter 5 is adequate with all things considered we'd love to see you know improvements there but it's like for what for when the game came out in 2016 three years ago it's pretty good like i mean we're three and a half years into the game now it's like that's fine so yeah i'm i'm fairly amazed how it feels like people are having an entirely different experience than i am because Mm -hmm. when i play it's like yeah there there are some rollbacks sometimes but i rarely feel like it was because of lag i have other issues with the game that are well documented but i don't really feel like i experience all that much in the way of uh, slowdown and when it does there's like a buffer period in my in my mind where I go, well, yeah, when I'm playing online, so I expect this. But people are mad about this stuff, and expectations are uh, much higher than where they've been, at least for me personally. But I will point out that as it does seem to be the case that they're, that we're not hitting as high of a bar as we could be, and and more so like, well, you're probably developing Street Fighter Six right now, and for all the games that are yeah. in development that we are going to be playing right now is as good a time as any. It's a wonderful time to be hitting developers with this, and it's not to be disrespectful, anything like that, but to say, you know, to, to cry out and say, this is what we want. We turned input lag into a big sinful bad word and now everyone jumps to fixing that samurai showdown had input lag snk was like yo we saw what happened with that we fixed it in like a month you know uh and so the the community cry does have some power and i say if we can get netcode up to a place that's i mean any 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 progress is great in that avenue because of how much you could actually help games grow and help players grow more efficiently and, and, and more quickly that's awesome and this should be a hill to fight f- to you know to die on and fight on mm-hmm. because of how important it is so i say you know to the community Continue to say these things. Do it respectfully, but request it. Stand on this hill and fight for it because um, it does appear that this is a place where we can level up. And so let's demand that we level up. And I will put a um, onus on the AAA companies in our community and not so mm-hmm. much the lesser companies like uh, SNK. It's like, look, they don't have the resources to do some of this other stuff. When they do it, it's great. And if they can deliver on that, like, I'm thrilled. You know, and, and the fact that SNK does as much as they do with not being that large of a company is quite impressive. Um, but when I say AAA in our community, I mean Capcom, I mean uh, NetherRealm, uh, Namco, Namco Bandai, and then Nintendo. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Like, those are the companies that were uh, subpar netcode and subpar experiences are not acceptable. Like, that should be dealt with. You do have the resources and team to do that. Get it done you know um and then everyone else i kind of give a pass it's like if it's there that's great you know uh if it's not yeah we'll deal with it you know yeah so agreed all right so next up here are you seeing anything about lucia's tier placement in street fighter 5 like and just to, to give you a little bit of a lead in here um daigo has her right now just outside of his top 10 which is quite interesting and that's actually where we had her when we've discussed her previously like we didn't have her in the top 10 um are you seeing any kind of movers and shakers in that in your neck of the woods so when i 
kind of formulated tier list. There are a handful of different things, uh, different angles that I try to look at. And so I'll just go one by one with what I've seen thus far. Lucia comes out and uh, as far as her abilities go, people are very excited and they highlight a lot of the positives that she has. A pretty versatile fireball game, some pretty good rushdown and pretty great frame traps. She's got, uh, and, and, and so some, um, some great anti-airs. She's got a lot of foundational things that are gonna make her potentially go far because we've seen other characters that have this kind of stuff. They do fairly well. I also want to say that these three new characters that Capcom came out with feel particularly balanced for what they are thus far. And, and by that I mean in the particular avenues of their abilities to cancel into like V-Trigger, what their V-Triggers do, how much, uh, the, you know, their, their late game, some of the problems that have, that have been rampant in Street Fighter V with V-Triggers in late game situations, how they don't seem to be overpowered and ultimately deciding almost every round that they play in. I, I'm pretty happy with these three characters with where they are, um, almost regardless of where they end up on the overall tier list in a few months. But uh, so, so, and Lucia falls into that as well. She seems potentially the strongest of the three, at least here in these earlier stages, although people are starting to warm up to poison more. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really reserving judgment on her. Interesting. You've, you've come around on that. You, you've kind of felt like that character was like kind of whack or whatever. So, well, with poison, I just, I, I haven't seen the potential yet, but that doesn't okay. mean that I think she, first of all, she's not the kind of character that I naturally gravitate to. And so I'm not like innately seeing these things and feeling them. I'm not playing her and I don't have a lot to go off of as far as my own personal experiences in the past with like playing poison. So I'm like, I'll let the poison players figure stuff out. But I remember like, you know, if Shen picks her up, when Justin Wong picks her up and those players really start exploring her, when they come out with some, um, responses uh, I'll I'll have a bigger you know more open ear but as far as Lucia goes yeah she seems to be pretty hot fiery going up that tier list pretty quick um, but she doesn't have I, I expected with the list of, of positives that people were rifling off about her I expected her to start having some really broken like AE Yun stuff and it's like right, oh and she's right. like plus 17 after she does her light punch and there's no reason for her to have that it's silly um, but it doesn't seem like it's gone that far yet when I'm like that's perfect because it's like oh well here's a new character they're gonna make her really good or something like that and it's the the classic situation of overbuff to get people to play them, especially when she's the least known of the new three. But no, it feels like she's fairly decently balanced. So where is she on the tier list? Um, I'm I'm comfortable with her being like top 15, top, uh, you know, like 10 to 15. It seems like where people are generally placing her. Uh, as much potential as she has, it doesn't seem like she's just absolutely melting your life bar. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have uh, as many ways into super as others, which is an interesting thing, and, and, and I think that's fairly significant, especially when you have these longer combos and cancels from V-Trigger and such, because Super only scales 50% at most, so that can be a real big uh, uh, combo ender for you. And for the fact that she doesn't have that, I think is uh, the way the rest of her gameplay tends to work. Sounds like a decent balance for her. And so I put her in that spot, but I also am waiting to see the big bosses, you know, like the, right. the Daigos and such, right. bring her out in tournament where it where the rubber meets the road, where it yeah. really counts, and see what happens there. See if someone just doesn't figure something out that just shuts everyone down. You know, Kazunoku how, just doesn't bring her out and just murder everyone. How many times have we heard a character is great and then like they don't show up in tournament? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, if that character is really that good, they're going to show up in tournament at some point. 
you know, and it's they can take a while. You know, it, it did take you know some Gen players a little while, like you know other stuff. Like it, it's you we're can seeing Zeku now, you yeah, know, and not yes. as much as before, or not as much before. Yeah, it, so it can take a bit, and Zeko got you know a number of buffs to get him there, right? And mm-hmm. it, so it's interesting. I am I'm really curious about this cast. Like everyone's very excited about him, but I'm wondering. And so many people are playing him because I think they're interesting. But when, as you say, when the chips are down, are you actually going to bust out a Honda? You know, are you actually going to play these characters in tournaments? So we, you know, the tournament season's getting going again now that you know we're out of Evo, um, and you know we've got a, a Celtic Throwdown this weekend and Summer Jam going to be a great opportunity to see if we're seeing anything of these characters but i have a hunch at the very top levels of play um there might be an exception or two for lucia but i think that for the most part we're going to see the same old characters we've been seeing um and i don't think anyone's going to make the switch right now people typically wait for the next season to come around to make a switch unless they're in a crisis or something um but i will add here with lucia that the top 10 in this game is damn good, really strong. And that's something we covered during our tier list. And so for a character to get into the top 10 at all, they better be phenomenal. They're not good, but they better be freaking phenomenal. And that's where I don't see Lucia being at. And I think that's where most people kind of agree with us at that, man, you just have to be nuts to get up there. So um, I, I still feel like this character is a bit overhyped. Um, I'm blowing up the Lucia players I'm playing. I don't know if that's a good matchup for Minot or what. Um, so I feel like I'm kind of a poor judge of how she works overall. Like it might be kind of like a Zangief thing. I don't think that bad, but it's just hard for me to judge a character I'm constantly like just destroying, right? And it's exactly. like, I don't... Yeah, I don't know like what to do with that. So um, I will mention that uh, Daigo shouted out uh, Sakura as being stronger than Lucia. Uh, and that's a character that we've been praising fairly hard here on the podcast, especially with Now Man, uh, what he's been doing with the character. We feel like she's underrated. Um, so it, it's interesting. Um, but I will say that overall with tier list that when accuracy comes to comes into play uh, and that's like, you know, every tier list, like how accurate is it? Right. I think the best of the best, like the, the best people that are putting tier list out there and doing the more, most research are 70 to 80% on point. And, and let's say that's like, you know, let, use Street Fighter V an example with 35 characters, like the tier list that we did. Uh, at 70% accuracy, that's about nine characters you're messing up the list of. Like, mm-hmm. that could be substantial. Like, we're, nine characters we totally jacked up the listing on, right? And again, so I, I say about 70 to 80% accuracy. I don't really feel like anyone's got anything better than that because, you know, how, did we underrate Sakura? Did we overrate Guile? Like, you know, wh- how did, how come we had Yuri in the top 10 or whatever? It's like, there's so many things that you can kind of mess up on. Uh, tier lists are so subjective and all that kind of things. It's like, to me, um, you always need to use tier list as a guideline. Uh, they're not an exact science, uh, and y- your results can vary wildly uh, between the great minds of the FGC. And that's my biggest indicator, my biggest angle from which I approach tier lists is my own personal experience against players that really know what they're doing. And we have a handful of Lucia players here locally, but none of them have explored to, you know, Daigo or Sako or whomever heights yet, and, and I don't expect them to. And and online, I haven't run into anyone that's just really wrapped their head around the character and is doing crazy things. I've had a pretty good success rate, and that's even with, like, my Honda, which is new, um, against Lucia. So yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that. I haven't felt the fear of Lucia yet. I believe it's out there. And I believe if I run into like, you know, Sako at a tournament or something like that, I'll feel it and then I'll have a better answer for you as far as to how strong or potentially strong she really feels. Uh, but I don't have that piece of the puzzle and that's what makes it the hardest as far as tears go. Yeah, um, and actually, I have a note here. I, I mentioned this earlier, but um, I believe we place, place the viable range of our characters in our tier list 
when we did the 35 characters before uh, the, the brand new three, um, we, we had the viable range right around like 29 out of the 35 characters, which is really damn good. That's again, about 80% of the cast right there is viable in tournament and like you can play them and do some stuff with them. Um, so it's interesting. And, and so when we're having these discussions and whatnot and saying like, yeah, Lucia is overrated. We don't know where Honda's at and all that. Like they're probably following, uh, falling into the viable range of the cast more than likely unless like, you know, poison just ends up like completely sucking or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, that could happen. But the good part about this is, you know, it, it, as I mentioned earlier, play, play who you want, you know, it's not gonna be a big deal. But uh, speaking of uh, characters that are really strong, and you know, the community is talking about doing something with them, we have GT Go- Goku, our kid Goku, as we often refer to him on the website, uh, people want him banned. They they want that character out of the game. They feel he's too strong. Uh, he's just doing kind of like way too much overall. What are you seeing? Yeah, so I don't play, I haven't played any GT Goku, but been seeing just this. Uh, of course, the biggest voice that goes into this particular conversation right now is Sonic Fox. And he says, I personally believe that GT Goku single-handedly as a character destroys the meta of the game. And um, I think until he gets nerfed, he shouldn't exist at the moment. And so it, it's not so much that uh, well, okay, I should I should qualify this a little bit more. And then there have been other pretty big Dragon Ball Fighters players uh, weighing in on the issue. I think Hook Gang God has talked about it for for you know quite a bit. And there have been uh, like countless people that yes, uh, like I agree and and yeah, he's he's such a problem. And so you go well, well, why? And first of all, with versus games or or you know these three on three all over the place fighters like Marvel versus Capcom and you know Dragon Ball Fighters, uh, it's like. Yeah, this is it's Tuesday. There's a character that's ridiculous and over the top and really strong. Well, well welcome to the FGC and welcome to these kinds of games. Um, and and I don't think that that's really the issue. I think the main issue is well, here we are in 2019 with a pro tour and everything. So I think that there's a little more emphasis on balance and things along those lines because it's mm-hmm. people's jobs and whatnot. So that's naturally going to happen. Um, but then the other big thing is we just we had a patch for Dragon Ball Fighters and. The uh, the plans for another patch are are not this year, so we have another few months of uh, you know this tour and of 2019 where GT Goku is not slated to be changed, nor 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 is anybody else. So we don't even have like the hope of a balance patch or a quick balance patch to to rectify any of this. And in the meantime, he's pretty much like like the the general consensus is that. Yeah, you have a GT Goku. He works on every single kind of combination of characters, every kind of team that you would want. I mean, they're, they're... just to chime in a little bit about that. Like Sonic Fox says that he personally feels that that kid Goku destroys the meta of Dragon Ball Fighters, and and even Hooking God, who's like not really wanting, it, as you mentioned, like to ban the character. He he even says like on the other hand, he invalidates so many teams in this game. It's mm-hmm. almost like the only counter to, to GT Goku is to play him yourself. Um, and it's like, ooh, that's that's a bad look. Like, that's hard when like pretty much this character has to be on your team, and and, and the fact that he isn't like means you're at probably a pretty good disadvantage at that point. Yeah. So the issue is there's no plan to update the game, and then so that means we're gonna have another four or six months or whatever it is of this character running rampant in the way that he is. And if that's the case, well, then you're probably going to start losing viewers. You're probably not as efficient an entity when it comes to esports as you would want to be. That being, of course, 
you know, Bandai Namco's Dragon Ball Fighters as a spectator sport. And then the players that are playing aren't going to be having as much fun because it's going to start getting repetitive and it's going to start getting... I mean, there, you can see all of the potential potholes that come up when this sort of thing happens. And this isn't, you know, all that new of a situation. And it's not like people are saying, like, I'm just complaining because this character is too good. And, uh, I mean, th th that certainly could be part of it. But the main chunk of it is that this is hurting what the game is aiming to do right now. And there's no... And, and so it's like... Well, the, the natural call would be to patch him, to just change him, you know, like like make him not quite as good on wake up or get his, his assist nerfed down or something like that, you know, whatever the necessary adjustment would be. But there, there isn't a patch coming. So that's why the word ban is being thrown around. And I think that's a particularly important um, um, thing to, to, to note because people are upset when you say ban because it's such a, a heavy thing. And it's like, yeah, I get it. But that's why Sonic Fox and players like him are saying ban as opposed to patch because no patch is on the way. Yeah, and in, in, again, in this era of pro tours and other stuff that we we you know live in and we work in, this stuff kind of like banning a character. You could make the argument that it's more important uh, to be proactive about the stuff than it's ever been because in the FGC we take a very like measured and like calculated and like we rarely ban characters here it just doesn't happen it's like uh, i know akuma got banned in super street fighter 2 turbo that took a bit uh, and it was rightfully deserved that character should have been banned uh he's ridiculous um that took a long time to go about and then like you look through our other history and it's like yeah we, don't, we haven't banned too many characters before i remember back in second impact days actually uh they banned akuma in that game as well um at certain scenes in certain places and it was a big thing uh and then you know third strike kind of came out and like you know did away with a lot of that stuff like it, it ceased to be an issue at that point um but there was a big movement and stuff in the community about it but again we we've so often cited on nah like what let's just like let this character rock for a good long time and not worry about him well um, even smash is going through that right now with hero exactly and it's so it's interesting with with so much money on the line and so many other things like like do these is there more of a relevance and importance actually on having knee-jerk reactions for lack of a better term you know like like yeah like this is really hurting the game at this point uh we have you know an audience to look at like you know we want our streamers to be able to have you know good stuff going on we want our pro players to like, there's a lot of factors in here and and it's interesting now to me that the subject of banning is much more um fluid like it, it's like actually a discussion at this point yeah and if you're bandai namco right now <laughs> bandai 10 points you don't jump to any conclusions but you definitely especially when it's someone like sonic fox and his just innate understanding of fighting games just at level one is what it is you at least hear that and you delve into it a bit and you go all right let's see okay so why what what are the particulars is he truly taking away from the meta and then you try to make as strong of an argument against that you pit those two things together and you see where you end up but you don't leave it alone because it's 2019 and it, you know things are changing and you can't just leave something like this unaddressed because if it is a problem like sonic is saying it's a problem and if it is actually taking away from the meta of the game you don't want that hanging out for for four six months you know or however long it's going to be uh, you need to nip that in the bud so next up we have mortal kombat 11 has put out their you know all their combat uh combat pack characters there uh I guess. Uh, Ash Williams, we probably, I don't know if we're going to go into that or not, but uh, why I bring this up here is uh, you did a story that 
basically said that Mortal Kombat 11 shouldn't be teasing characters like this far out, right? Like, it's like they're so far away, like, you know, um, what do we have, like, almost a year to go, like, on one of these characters or something like that, like the very last one, but, yeah. Justin did the story. Um, so th there's a couple of things that people have been reacting to when it turns to the uh, the combat pack. It's finally been fully revealed, and what we've gotten is we, we have Shang Tsung and Nightwolf, as we expected. From there, it's uh, the Terminator T-800 looks just like old Arnold, mm -hmm. and then Sindel and then Joker, and then Spawn. Now, we we didn't know directly Terminator or Joker. There were rumors and such, and, and the, the whole Ash Williams thing was being in the spot that Joker was supposed to be in. Uh, that's all out there, and that's, that's speculation and such, uh, but I, I didn't really want to get into that because I don't know, you know, like that's just kind of floating around in the ether and people have their, their theories about it. But... Uh, we did know Spawn was coming, and Spawn's been a very heavily requested character for quite some time for Mortal Kombat. Uh, people have been very excited, and they revealed that Spawn was coming right along with Nightwolf and Sindel back when Shang Tsung's trailer dropped. Like, I think that was like two months ago or so. And so people were very excited to see Spawn, and they still are. But this combat pack reveal not only gave the identities of the characters, it also told us when they were coming out. So Nightwolf and Shang are both available now. Terminator comes out on October 8th, so uh, uh, about a month, right? A uh, little about a month and two weeks or so. So, And then Sindel comes out in November. Joker comes out at the end of January. And then we're waiting until March 17th, which is like about 11 months after the game's launch for the last character of this first DLC pack. And we've known about Spawn. Spawn was one of the characters that, that could have been next. You know, it was like either Sindel, Nightwolf, or Spawn because they were one of the characters that, that were revealed. We kind of just generally expected that these um, that these unnamed characters until recently were going to be the last two. But no, the last one is Spawn. And um, so it's not inherently wrong that NRS does it this way. They're free to kind of do it however they want. They're prerogative. But there is a collective sigh of like, ah, oh, man, when people saw Spawn and saw that March 17th date, especially when this is the first time we've actually seen the character's design in Mortal Kombat, and it looks great. It looks awesome. So, so the hype goes up even further, but then they're like, yeah, but it's not until March of next year. And it's like, who knows if, if, you know, who's going to still be playing the game at that point? Hopefully everyone, but, you know, these things go. And, and that just kind of took the wind out of some sails. Now, there are some pluses too, though. You know, Terminator looks great, although he's not voiced by Arnold, which that's, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, but we're getting Sindel. A lot of people are happy about that. And then that brings us to Joker. Joker's gotten a lot of mixed responses. Uh, of course, the, the idea here is that, Injustice and Mortal Kombat are NRS's two big, you know, back and forth fighting games that come out um, kind of opposite each other. And they've been doing guest appearances in uh, in these games. And we've had Scorpion and Sub-Zero visiting the Injustice games. So it just so makes sense that you would have someone from that, uh, you know, IP jump over into this one. And who better than Joker? He's like the insane guy that's always limited by like PG-13 stuff, the limitations and, and, and such. And can't do everything that you know Joker would do in real life if he were to exist in that capacity. And here in Mortal Kombat, we'll finally get to see him do his full fatalities, right? Call back to, uh, what was it? Mortal Kombat versus DC, where he had to, like a very a very edited fatality, and now yeah, and apparently he's based on the the porn version of the Joker too. Which well, that's <laughs> the other thing. He does yeah. he looks very young, maybe modeled after Joker in Gotham. I haven't I've watched a couple seasons of Gotham, but I haven't gotten to 
the point where the Joker pops out yet fully. So, uh, so but he looks different than what we've seen before. Uh, people have been comparing him to the to some I uh, to a Batman porn that I haven't seen. So, but I assume that you know <laughs> people have done their research and know that that's accurate. And uh, and so one okay. So this is this is a multi faceted kind of problem that people are having one everyone and their mother thought that ash williams was going to be here a big part of that was that you know there was like a leak that allegedly put him in there when we saw the the reveal and they didn't name the characters but they gave us hints we heard a terminator like dun 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 and then a chainsaw yeah and that pointed us to like well there's so many characters with a chainsaw ash williams like that fits the bill uh there's been a ton of like stuff from bruce campbell the, the actor that plays ash williams uh saying like yeah i'm super not in that game but wouldn't it be great if i was and and he makes a little graphic of him in the game of like world combat 2 there's been a bunch of teasing and and especially with the way ed boone and nrs like to tease people and and such it was very much in the the realm of possibility and in the realm of i would say likelihood that ash williams was this character and so one people were expecting to see ash and they didn't and so that's kind of disappointing and so now you're going to be a little bit mad at whoever's taking that spot right and that's the joker uh now he's around joker's been around for a while he's a super popular character it makes sense he's a guest from injustice 2 but he also doesn't really you know people are going to pick apart design he doesn't look like what they're used to and so that can be a point of contention there's there's a lot of negativity surrounding him i don't think it was a wrong pick Oh, and I should also say that there are a lot of theories floating around that because Ash leaked or or because people were on the trail of that, that NRS might have last minute switched him and the Joker and that maybe he's coming later and the Joker's coming now, something like that. Can't confirm or, or you know, disconfirm. Yeah, but. Again, and, then, and that's the chainsaw thing, right? It's like you look at all the other characters that are left and you're like, there's no chainsaw character here. You know, like, yep. why did you have a, a clear chainsaw sound, uh, you know, starting up or whatever in your trailer? if that was like a complete dead end and that's like you know where we saw the images that surfaced online of like you know saying like ash williams is in this combat pack and whatnot and got changed last minute and then there were statements from ed boone that basically hinted at that that uh, nrs was very disappointed with either warner brothers or someone like that uh in terms of like what characters got included or how the characters were announced or something around the time of evo and and again the the theory here is that Joker was kind of like, you know, pigeonholed in here or, or shoehorned in here, I should say, last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of like what we got. And like his art style and other stuff, like it doesn't fit the other characters here. I mean, to me, like that's a little bit of a stretch. I'm looking at the image right now and it's like, sure, I guess, like if you squint maybe or something, I can see how it doesn't fit, but it looks fine to me. You know, like I, I think that may may have what happened. It'd be like, you know, Joker was planned at some point for a combat pack. We're probably going to get a couple of these, right? Uh, that's usually what NRS does. Uh, yeah. Maybe they move the Joker around from like you know this you know the second combat pack to this one you know or something like that that makes sense to me uh but there it is yes yes um so mixed responses to this but i think still an overall positive man i no matter how much negativity there is about like spawn's release date or joker being there or his design my eyes just continually gravitate over to arnie and terminator like mm-hmm. that character oh my gosh they got that well like at least they got his visuals i guess they didn't get his voice um, and, and also that could be a problem if he sounds very not Arnold, that could be a problem because it'll be like distracting every time you play. 
uh, and that oh, might turn they'll, into a they'll joke. get a good actor for it. That that's uh, I you, hope you, so. They, they're that if they mess that up, I would be shocked. And and I hope I did not just jinx well, it. Well, yeah. uh, there's this DJ that I think they're having voice the rest of their characters as they come out. So DJ Vegas, I think, is slated to uh, <laughs> voice Terminator. Oh, no, poor guy. Uh, I will shout out NRS here real quick and just mention that like the amount of incredibly awesome guest characters they have in their game is just so like wow like how do you guys continue like just you know pump up the volume turn it up to 11 you know type thing Mm -hmm. on the guest characters that you get for your game like the ninja turtles and injustice 2 like i was like wow you know and then you know i love predator jason Voorhees. like yes like so consistent that you guys have amazing guest characters and that is one thing i would like to see more in the fgc on you know shots to negan and tekken um but overall i would love to see more of it it's just it's fun it's like yeah I don't know. It's just like I I would love to see a guest character like that in Street Fighter. I think they'd, they'd fit in just fine. I know that Capcom's never done that really. Uh, it, it's like, but I would love to see it. If Joker wasn't meant to be in this combat pack, but it was like a last minute audible by NRS, I still think that that was a really good move because at the very least, I mean, okay, so say this pack comes out and it is exactly what we thought, Spawn, Terminator, and Ash. It's like, cool. And that is what we were hoping for. And there is a, a lot of good that comes out of that. But the fact that it wasn't quite what we thought it was keeps the further that the future reveals keeps a little bit of wonder going. Like we haven't figured them out yet and and maybe they are willing to pull audibles. So we're never totally, you know, we, have, we don't ever have it completely ironed down, at least not right now with, uh, with NRS. And I think that's a very important part of this emerging and developing relationship that developers have with their communities uh, in terms of DLC releases. The fact that they can stay at least a little bit one step ahead of us and we ta- we don't have them figured out, I don't think we want to figure them out. I think we want to be surprised. We, we're going to do our damnedest to figure, to, to, to explore and try to, to, you know, data mine and such. But part of us wants to be uh, uh, tricked or, or, or surprised, I should say. And we we kind of have a sense of, um, uh, you know, like we, we, we honor that when, when you are able to keep it away from us, when you are able to keep Banjo-Kazooie away and then knock us with this crazy reveal and, and, and like we want to be, um, well, surprised. And so the good look on NRS for doing it this way, if that is how it played out. And I'm looking forward to how these characters actually come out when, when they're, you know, released and we see their gameplay and such and what the future holds with a potential combat pack too and see if Ash Williams hasn't come then because I still hope that he does. Yeah, he's going to be a great fit. Uh, so our last segment here is a mailbag segment um, that you actually asked people to reach out for uh, last week. And uh, Lalquid uh, said, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name uh, there correctly, he said in this question. And again, if you'd like to actually uh, submit a question to us, you can just hit us up on Twitter. It's the best place to reach us. Uh, just tag us there and uh, let us know. And, and if it's a good question, we'll read it here on the podcast. Yeah, tag um, our individual accounts, though. Catalyst and Velociraptor. Don't do it on right. the event hubs because there's just too much going on with that for us to be able to you know siphon through all of it. So... Uh, and, and we keep the uh, we keep our Twitter accounts uh, listed and linked up in the stories that we post on the front page for the podcast. So if you're listening there, you already have it. Um, but yeah, we, we, we should be pretty easy to find. So Lalquid goes on to say that, um, do you guys have any tips to get out of Ultra Bronze Hell? Uh, I swear I've been playing the game for years, and the people either EXDP as uh, Okazemi um, are uh, people legitimately are awesome with crazy safe pressure. And, and so one of the main ways that you kind of get out of the early ranks of fighting games is really fundamentally understanding what the meta of the game is and like what you need to be doing overall. Um, it's easy to get lost in the forest, uh, you know, not see the, uh, the forest through the trees type thing 
when you don't kind of fundamentally understand what is going on with the game and you get lost in like trying to do stuff like play footsies or, you know, do something you shouldn't be doing instead of just kind of focusing on what the core of the game offers. So Lalquid mentioned that he's an Akuma player uh, and a very simple thing that he can do uh, is uh, actually just combo um, standing light kick into light red fireball and like look for that quite a bit in neutral. And, and what that actually does is it provides a good bit of pressure via a knockdown um, and is generally going to be very safe for Akuma. I think like you know, uh, light red fireball is like negative six, but the distance that you know pushes Akuma back, like most characters and most players at that level are not going to be able to punish it. Uh, and it's very fast, you know, uh, standing medium kick is a five frame normal. It's got a great hitbox on it. Um, and combos right into the light red fireball and then after the light red fireball you can dash up once or twice i forget how much it is and you have really good okazemi pressure mm -hmm. one of the main uh, covenants of street fighter 5 is oki pressure this is a game where if you are not constantly looking for your opportunities uh to pressure the the other opponent like you're basically getting a free round of offense you're getting a free turn to to throw a mix-up at the opponent and that is again when i say covenants of street fighter 5 i mean it's like this is a core part of the meta and when i'm watching uh, um you know more lower ranked players play it's very often that they don't seem to understand this like fundamental role of the game is that when you have an opportunity to pressure and you need to know like you know is your knockdown plus or not right if you try to pressure and you're like negative five uh you're going to get blown up by most players because they're going to be hitting a button you know on wake up right or they're going to be mm -hmm. doing a dp or something like that you need to know when you have okazemi pressure and, and and if you're you know not familiar with the term oki or okazemi that's exactly what it means it means like when you um when you score a knockdown that you have the advantage there that the other players like you know they're waking up they can't hit a button as they're waking up off the ground right their their defenses are limited and so you have oki or okazemi pressure or the advantage at that point Yes. Um, so uh, remind me of the specifics of the first thing you said when it comes to uh, like focusing on Akuma's game. Like, was it his low forward fireball or standing medium kick? Or? Uh, standing medium kick is the one I advise, um, but yes. low forward into fireball works pretty well as, uh, as well. So. Yeah, I love the standing medium kick is would be my first place to start with um, the character. Uh, when when you're okay, so you're talking about ultra bronze. It's a fairly early level um, in the uh, the Street Fighter Five online rankings. Uh, at that point, well, this this applies to everybody. And I wrote a story about um, how I've personally been exploring Honda as a new character and how I've been going about trying to figure this character out. When you put him all, we'll take Akuma, but this works for any character. When you put it out in front of you and he's got all these different buttons plus special moves and they all have their specific place where they're supposed to be used and you try to juggle all of that at once, it's overwhelming. Yes. And, you're, and, and if you're trying to simultaneously juggle all of his potential at once, the chances that you're gonna be ready for any one individual thing in time, in real time while you're playing are very low. So what has to happen is that you eventually need to have just like a subconscious knee-jerk reaction, uh, the ability, I shouldn't say knee-jerk, but the ability to do it without thinking, where your fingers just do it. When they jump, you anti-air. You know, certain little truths like that, uh, uh, like axiomatic, just this is what you do in fighting games and it works pretty much every time if you're doing it correctly. Um, and you can fall on these foundational things. You pick one thing like that, and you start with just one little thing, and you throw out everything else that, when it comes to the character. Uh, your objective right now is not to win, it's to master this one concept before you move forward. Because, as I'm finding, and especially with Street Fighter V, um, but I think this applies across the board in fighting games, everything works with 
everything else. Yes. All of a character's tools work to varying degrees with their other tools. Then, And one of the most um, obvious examples for that is like the juxtaposition of a fireball and an uppercut back and forth, right? You can be throwing fireballs, and that's going to um, encourage your opponent to either block or jump over them. And that opens up your use of the uppercut because if you're getting them to jump, now you can hit them with their uppercut, you know? And and those moves feed each other. But at the same time, uh, you know, if you're consistently anti-airing them with their uppercut, then they're going to be less likely to jump, which means you can start throwing fireballs even more, getting that chip damage, controlling that space, and manipulating them. And it's the ability to juggle all of these tools more efficiently than your opponent that is going to ultimately help you to win. So... We'll start with standing medium kick because it's great. And, and I do know that, um, that uh, what's his name? Law Liquid, was it? Law Liquid. Law Liquid. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, his name's also A on Twitter, so I'm just going to okay. go by A. <laughs> <laughs> He's recently switched, or they've recently switched to poison, and I haven't played any poison, so that's why I'm using the Akuma example. But, I mean, if you can find the equivalent with poison and you want to go that route, that's just fine. But as far as standing medium kick, it's wonderful because Akuma has really good uh, walk speed, and and he can combo uh, his standing medium kick from... Uh, freaking anywhere as long as he like uh, tags it it seems he can go into his bread and butter so what i would do is just focus on this move just by itself and the ability to um first can you do a combo with it can, does can you do standing medium kick see it hit and then go into your bread and butter combo and is it the most efficient combo so know that once you know that go into training mode and work on um, doing that to the computer set the computer to random block and work on confirming and seeing what it looks like when this move hits versus when they've blocked it. Uh, I'll jump in and say I, I really highly advise against hit confirms at that level. Uh, you want to have a move that's basically just safe, like safe either way. And, oh, and so go the, into fireball then? Yeah, or just, like always, a... just always work on the cancels at that level. And, and don't even worry about it. Like if you're doing an unsafe pressure move, like you probably should not be doing that at that level. If you get up to gold and, and like platinum before you're working on hit confirms. But yeah. All right, fair enough. So, so just work on using this as a poking tool, you know, feeling how fast Akuma moves and, and how efficient this move is. Um, and, and just work on that and just start there and make it as efficient as you possibly can just with this and play in casual so you're not worried about losing points with ranked and just be the best damn standing medium kick using Akuma that you can be or whatever this move is that you're, you're going to choose to do with poison. Um, and then one other thing that you can always, always be working on is always be ready to anti-air. That's something else that you might um, approach and just be like, I'm just going to work on hitting them with standing medium kick whenever I can. You don't even need to follow up with a combo. Just tag them with it. And then if they ever go up in the air, I'm going to be always ready for an anti-air. And when you catch yourself not anti-airing, you say, well, I'm thinking too much about other stuff. Simplify it down and make it only about you know, as few things as you need it to be so that you can always be ready to anti-air. Start there, do those things. If you're an ultra bronze and you are able to consistently anti-air, you're shooting up to gold, like no problem. You're yeah. going to get through bronze, you're going to get through silver, uh, you might even get into platinum just with anti-airs alone. And I, I, I would be careful about saying like, and I agree with you overall, uh, like always ready for anti-air. There's not a player on the planet who's always ready for anti-air. Like you're, you're going to be committing to buttons and other things. No, that's why it's always something that yeah. you can be working on. Because yeah. I, I I have that conversation mentally, like quietly with myself mm -hmm. every time I play because I'm like, why aren't you? Why didn't you anti air there? Because a jump in is such a significant swing. Yes. In in fighting games yeah. for for multiple reasons. So 
you just be break ready. it down to little bite-sized pieces. Yeah, you want to be ready for about 90 to 95% of most jump-ins at you. And if you mess up your anti-air or you mistime it, that's fine. But you should be ready for it and kind of like anticipating it and stuff. And But you're going to get jumped in on on Street Fighter V. Like even the pros have that happen to them. Like that's kind of part of the thing. So like you can't completely like crumble to pieces if you miss one is basically what I'm saying. Like just kind of like roll with it. Um, Street Fighter V is very much a momentum game like where you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have stuff kind of not go your way. The game is notorious for that. And if you're so caught up on like the mistake that you made, like you're not going to be ready to catch, you know, your next opportunity basically. Oh yeah. That's like what Tokido said with you just have to let these, the when something doesn't go your way, you just let it happen and then you let it flow out and you're just ready yes. for the next situation. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's that's also something you have to preach to yourself quietly every single time you play. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the... the um, uh, I wanted to actually... You, you just mentioned Tokido, actually. And and one of the things that, that people fall into the trap of is they're like, well, hey, I, I want to learn Guile. I'm going to watch Knuckle Do or I'm going to watch Daigo or whatever. And those players are so good and they've been playing for so long. They're doing so many things that they have programmed themselves to do. And if you try to directly emulate that, like you're just going to crumble to pieces. And exactly what John Velociraptor here said, like focusing on just a few things allows you just to get a mastery of those skills or a very high level, you know, mastery is too far, but a high level understanding of those things before you start adding more layers in. And that's why you really want to focus on like the most hard hitting and, and potent things in a fighting game. And that's where it comes to understanding the meta of a game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's, Work on my advice is generally two or three things. In uh, my uh, the main things that again I advocate for anti airs are great. Uh, Okazemi, which we've mentioned, uh, V trigger use is a very big deal in this game. Uh, if you do not know how to properly use your V trigger, where you're not getting some really good 50-50 mix-ups on it, like you need to go into the training mode and try that a little bit. With Akuma, it's pretty easy. You just jump in the air and throw a fireball, and like you know, two fireballs <laughs> come out, and it's pretty simple. Um, and you should get some great mix-ups and have a great combo, you know, confirm off of that. Uh, and again, um, it's, you know, frame trap pressure is another very core tenet of Street Fighter V. There's a great video, actually, that High Fight just put out. And he calls, like, plus two the magic number in mm-hmm. Street Fighter V, and it very much is. And uh, he uses okay. poison in that, too. Yes, there you go. Um, and this, so, so this advice is getting away from Akuma here a little bit, but, but it's applicable to pretty much every cast member. There's a few that might struggle with this. I'm thinking of Manat right now. But um, you usually have a medium punch or medium attack that's plus two are plus three on block and uh, with Akuma that's his crouching medium punch and that also will hit confirm into um, standing medium kick like a combos right into it right um, so mm-hmm. you can do that all day long uh, hit him with a crouch medium punch and then either throw um, or go right into stand medium kick and then you know do the red fireball and then dash up and you've got Oki pressure uh, or you've just thrown them like you're you're pretty much if you guess right you're guaranteed damage right mm-hmm. and that is a really core thing to work off of and, and again if you switched over to poison she has that exact same thing going on it's just different buttons on how to set that up and with Street Fighter 5 it's got the frame data all online or you can go into training mode and like you know hit the opponent and you can see right there like it's plus five or whatever um but you can look at all the different things and, and see like how to build a combo that's very basic. Like, don't worry about having like a max damage combo from the get go, right? Like, even some pro players struggle to do max damage combos all the time. You just need a combo that leaves you in a good, you know, situation and does some actual damage. Like, you know, isn't basically two jabs, right? Like, make sure it's actually doing like a hundred damage or so, uh, so that the opponent really feels it when you land it, uh, and they're they're not just kind of laughing at you for doing two jabs. So yeah. Uh, put in front of yourself really easy stuff that you know that you can do so that you're not overwhelmed and that so you're not thinking about too many things at once if it's poison you know just identify what's your anti-air and what's your what's your control the space in front of you button and just kind of use those two things 
use the use the control space in front of you button first to get them to start jumping and then since you're only balancing or you're only really thinking about that and anti-airs you're ready for when they jump um, one other thing that the the um, player notes here is that they have a hard time on defense um, you just want to uh, no, that's that's a that's a mixed bag because man everybody does and it at certain points comes down to a rock paper scissors situation um, I would say at first don't be afraid to use your V reversal to get people off of you just you know to give yourself some space but as you get more and more familiar with the game you'll learn that well sometimes they're gonna you know do a frame trap and sometimes they're gonna walk forward to, to take space up and that means that you know sometimes you just want to jab them and, and there's a risk that comes with trying to jab your way out of pressure that you're under. And it seems like they're forever, you know, their strings are forever. And if you touch a button at any time, uh, then then you're done. And that, that kind of feels like the case with Akuma a lot of times. Go, go to V-reversal. But um, if you see someone walk up on you, well, know that, well, next time maybe I'm going to jab because they're very capable of walking up. And that's the, the solution to that. So, yeah. But I don't want to throw too much, you yeah. know. Oh, I think we've said enough. Just yeah, try to... I do have a few things to add on that, actually. Um, um, I, a huge part of Street Fighter V, the huge part of the meta, is is making people hold your very strong pressure in 50-50s, as we've just discussed. Um, that carries quite a bit less risk than neutral or defensive play in this game. The re- and the rewards are very strong for making people hold those 50-50s, right? Like, cause, you know, you're draining 200, 300 health and whatnot. So playing defense in this game is a very bad idea. Uh, if you are setting out to play defense, like let's say you get like Oki pressure, like you have the opportunity for it and you back up, excuse me, back up and throw a fireball, which I've seen a number of players to do, you are screwing yourself because you are taking an opportunity you have to score big damage and like trying to play defense and do stuff. Defense sucks in Street Fighter V. It is one of the big uh, problems I have with this game like overall. A really well-balanced Street Fighter game is going to be about 50-50 offense and defense. Uh, this game is so heavily skewed towards offense that if you're actively trying to like focus on defense and play it, like you're probably losing because of it. And, and I mean, that's at pretty much every level of play. I play Monat, who's a zoning character. I can't even do that. In most matchups, there's a few matchups I can kind of do that, but overall, like the way you have to play quote-unquote defense in this game is so night and day different than any other fighting game I think I've ever played that isn't like a Marvel verse game or anything like that. It's oof. Um, yeah. So when, you, when I say like, you know, don't be playing defense, it's not like, you know, I should ignore what the other player is doing and just do offense, right? Like, and that, that's all I should be focused on. Like, that should be where most of your focus is on. Like, you do want to realize, like, if the, you know, the other opponent's gone for a throw, like, five times in a row, you should probably tech it. You know, like, you should probably do some stuff to counter what they're doing. Have an idea of what your defensive options are, but keep in mind that defense in this game is, like, 20 to 30% of the puzzle. Like, it's not going to get you very far. Um, studying your offensive options is really what's going to kind of make or break you. And yes, if you can play defense like an Infiltration or a Justin Wong, that will carry you really far. But worry about that again when you've gotten out of bronze and like when you've gotten like to, you know, whatever, Ultra Diamond, Platinum, Grandmaster level and stuff like that. That's <laughs> that's when you worry about that stuff um, because you want to focus on the things that are going to carry you the furthest um, so you, you don't have that sense of frustration. Anytime you're losing more than you're winning, uh, that's going to carry a lot of frustration with it for most players. Uh, you want to have success and feel like you're getting better and then, then you start to add those other areas in. 
So, and then, I mean, going off of that, almost like a response to that is that they say here in the tweet, and it feels like whenever I get an Oki situation, they're just wake up DPing, which is invincible, right? So any pressure that you put on them, they're, they're, they feel very deterred about doing because people are just doing that. And that absolutely happens a lot, especially online and especially at the lower ranks. To, to combat that really quickly, one of the things you might do, just a quick exercise in training mode, is to uh, pick a character that has uh, uh, an EXDP and, as the computer, set them to two different wake up options one is to do that um at, at a reversal timing so they do the the reversal exdp or whatever it is the invincible move and then the other option is that they wake up and they uh they do like a throw or something or or like a jab and what you'll uh um what you'll do there is you'll figure out the timing knock them down and then just do a slightly delayed yes. jab and what that does is that uh, you have to manually time this, so you have to figure this out. But once you do, it's it's very beneficial because if you do a slightly delayed jab, you give them enough time to do the DP, and so if they do it, you're still blocking, um, and then you'll you, your jab input will be eaten because you'll be blocking. Um, but if they don't do it, you've done it fast enough that they're, you're still going to interrupt anything that they do on their wake up if it's not invincible. So it's kind of like this some something of an option select for people that have EXTP. So just the idea is a slightly delayed jab. And by slightly, I mean like three frames or however fast their invincible reversal is. Yep. Because if they're doing reversal timing, they're going to get it on there. And that that's something you could trade up in trading mode very quickly and get quite good at. And then jabs in this game are, are plus on hit and block with almost every character in the game. Uh, and so you can follow up with another move or another attack and if they try to do something they're probably going to get frame trapped and you've got a combo so mm -hmm. so um, real quick before we move off this and, and in the podcast I do want to say that like if this is too removed from you say you're a Marvel player or whatever um, and you might be like okay so that's great that you guys have explored the meta of Street Fighter 5 like what the hell is the meta of all the other games that I play and like look at and that is very much a case-by-case -case thing. That's like what we get into. But how you can kind of unpack this stuff and get an idea of what's going on is like, I'll give it people an example of what the meta was in Street or, uh, Marvel 3, I should say. And that was a game that you did not want to be in certain spots on screen. You would watch the pros get into a match and they would dance around the screen, like staying very mobile and just avoiding certain spots. Um, because if they got in that spot, they would be eating a disgusting mix-up in Marvel. Um, and those are situations that when you get into, you are lucky, very lucky, if you can block them and defend them. And so the more times that you are in that, your odds of like, winning or doing any kind of success like just decreased a bit. And to give a, a couple examples of this, like um, one would be the incoming mix-up in Marvel 3. Like when a character would die and your next character would come in, like teams were infamous for dying on like, oh, I lost one character, I'm dead. Like my whole team mm -hmm. is dead now because I have to you know, eat this ridiculous mix-up. But uh, and the other examples like, you know, Dante or other stuff, like they would pin you in, you know, middle of the screen and whatnot. And then uh, the opponent can, you know, either go high, low, cross up or whatever as you're pinned and like, you know, blocking, uh, blocking uh, Dante's like guitar, like you're just kind of stuck there. And, and the other opponent is like, you know, basically able to do like whatever they want to at that point in time. So again, the whole meta of Marvel 3, uh, it's, it's not quite like Street Fighter. It's like there's certain spots on screen you just under penalty of death like you die if you're basically at this point <laughs> like you cannot be there and it was just to kind of maybe baiting the opponent to come into your ranges where you're really good at you know and dancing away from it and then setting them up for something and then converting the hit and stuff like that and avoiding their spots on screen and that was a huge part of the game and if you go back and watch footage of like filipino chap jay wong chris g whoever uh chris g was quite a different story actually he busted the meta of the game but anyway those other players i just mentioned um uh 
you will see that you'll see it up and down like how they would just control people and control the spots they were on screen and that's that's how you do it so if you play samurai shodown you play tekken or whatever every game has a meta to it that once you start to unpack it the game becomes so much easier to play and to to get better at because you fundamentally know what you should be looking for yep well big thank you to uh to log <laughs> Lolquid, yeah, she got it. Lolquid, uh, for for setting this our way because it gives us something extra to talk about, and, and we love having you know this leveled up relationship with anyone that's uh, willing to listen here. And so, anybody else questions that you think we might have an answer to, please shoot them our way. We'll butcher your name on the podcast as well. We'll have a good time doing it. So, <laughs> thank yeah, you so much. And we'll talk about like hookers and porn jokers and stuff like that too, if I can work it back in there. But we'll see. So, <laughs> <laughs> that is going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs Podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you soon. It's much more in tune, like you're finding like your partner versus you're you're like you know sleeping with a hooker or something. I don't know. <laughs> like that's a, that's basically what it is with a top tier character. It's kind of, that's the only example I can think of right now. <laughs>